0: Hi, I'm Maena Raman and you're listening to The Decibel, from The Globe and Mail. That's the sound of a gas leak in the basement of a former bar in Wheatley, Ontario. The gas is hydrogen sulfide, and it smells awful, like rotting eggs— it's incredibly noxious and highly flammable. Chatham kent 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, hi, I'm located at uh, 15 Erie Street North in Wheatley, the former Pogue pub. Whitfield Thiel called 911 back in June 2021. He owned the building where the Pogue pub used to be. Do you need police, fire, or ambulance? Uh, fire.
1: Okay, and what's on uh, fire? Not on fire, there's a, uh, uh, there's a gas, there's air coming up in the basement. And it has a terrible sewer slash gas smell. Coming from the basement? Uh, yeah, the entire basement.
0: Okay. The gas in the basement was so strong, it was forcing mud and water up through the ground, pouring through cracks in the basement. Thiel would later describe puddles outside the building as bubbling like champagne. The area was evacuated and the province notified. Inspectors came and told the municipality that the gas leaks weren't the province's responsibility. And when the gas leak stopped two days later, the evacuation order was lifted and people moved back in. Tom Kent Police Fire Dispatch, Amy speaking. Yeah, hi, uh, it's Whitfield uh, down in Wheatley. I need a uh, fire. Okay, what's the address? What you need them to? Uh, it's 15 Erie Street North. It's another gas leak. On July 19th, It happened again. Thiel called 911 because the amount of hydrogen sulfide in the building had set off alarms. Another emergency was declared, and the area was evacuated. Again. The fire chief reached out to the Provincial Emergency Operations Center. He told them, quote, We have a naturally occurring hazardous materials incident beyond the capabilities of the Chatham-Kent Fire Service, and I am requesting assistance to protect life and property. Almost a month went by. On August 25th, city officials reached out to the province again. They still hadn't heard a response. And then, on August 26th, can anyone mm-hmm. what is your emergency? Hi, I'm calling because we were inside the house about five minutes ago and there was a really loud thing that made the lights flicker. Everyone is outside of their houses, they all heard it.
1: Okay. We do have everybody on the way there, okay, if you're able to stay inside. Oh the building exploded. What's kind of wild is that back in 1936, the exact same thing happened at the exact same site, and it blew up a building. um, And miraculously, then, no one died then either, just like what happened in Wheatley uh, a year ago. The Globe's energy reporter, Emma Graney, has been investigating what happened. The final report is still to come. It's expected by the end of the year. The working theory from the municipality right now is that it happened at the site of the old gas well and it was something to do with that gas well leaking and then something happened to ignite it.
0: The gas had been leaking out of something called an orphan well. And
1: it turns out there are a lot more of these in southern Ontario. So orphan wells are wells that have no owner, or they have an owner that can't afford to pay to properly decommission the site. So this can be a couple of things. Either the owner has gone bust, it doesn't exist anymore, which is the most likely case. Or in the case of Ontario, sometimes there's just no owner on record uh, because it was drilled so long ago. So that's kind of what we're dealing with.
0: Emma will tell us about what happened in Wheatley, where this gas came from, and Why there could be more explosions. This is The Decibel. Emma, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Of course, thanks for having me.
0: I'm going to play a clip from an interview with a volunteer firefighter uh, who was was there that day in Wheatley when the building exploded. So this is is Daniel uh, Bubba Jones here. Just walked into that building, so the sound was muffly, like it was a little muffled, but, uh, but it was kind of just this woof, and then my breath, like it, it hit hard, like it pulled the breath out of me. It was just like, ugh, and then, ugh! like, and then you could feel it, like in your chest, and it, like, I had to be like,
1: holy smokes, it blew up, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, take a huge gasp of air back. So Emma, what exactly is he describing there? He's just describing just the force of that blow because it was felt as far out as as on Lake Erie. People were out fishing on Lake Erie and they felt the blow. Mm. Now, Bubba was one of those firefighters who was on scene doing the evacuation. And he'd kind of, he was taking readings with a colleague and there's a, a barbecue chicken restaurant next door called The Car Barn and the waitress had kind of come out and said, hey, Bubba, like, you know, every time we open the door, there's gas wafting in. It's kind of strange. So he's like, okay, no worries. We'll take some readings inside. Took a couple of steps inside the car barn and then next door the pogue exploded. So he's describing what it was like to basically be right where that explosion was happening. And the fact no one died is is really quite miraculous. So he was kind of then running through this cloud of debris and he, he described to me as well about how there was just this cloud of debris and dust and there was glass shattering around him and all of this stuff is falling and he couldn't see anything. He's just running to go back to where he knew people were standing around. You know, his colleagues at the fire department um, and he saw, in fact, a, an assistant fire chief that looked like he'd been shot in the elbow with a with a shotgun, all this kind of, um, you know, shrapnel hanging off of him. There was a municipal worker with a, a bit of wood through his ankle so there were some injuries and one guy in town actually told me, you know, a friend of his who works not far from the lake, it blew his door open. And that's about three kilometers away, you know. So the force of the blast was, was really quite something.
0: The building that exploded, it, it was mm. owned by Wit Thiel, um, yeah. who, who we heard from at the start of the show. And he repeatedly tried to get the municipality or the province to, to do something about the gas leak in his building. Can, can you tell us about his efforts there?
1: Yeah, so Witt was the one who first um smelt the gas. He owns the building and he went down into the basement and got woozy, came up, called 911. And then from then on, he was talking to the municipality, obviously. The municipality was trying to contact the province and say, we don't know what's going on. We don't have the resources and stuff to deal with this, so can you help us? And Wit ended up getting um, gas monitors and putting them in in the building because... Someone had to do something and the province did end up uh, footing the bill for that. But there seemed to be some level of kind of, I guess, passing the buck is how a lot of residents have felt. Um, and I think a lot of the reports that we read through the Freedom of Information requests that we got back demonstrate there was some level of frustration from the municipality trying to get action from the province but the province was kind of offloading it a little bit, so Witt put in these gas monitors, and then he kept getting alarms saying, you know, uh, the next one in July. Oh, look at that! Again, all three levels of the building are filling with high levels of, of um, hydrogen sulfide and and methane. So he calls nine one one again on August twenty six. Oh no, it's happening again! So he calls nine one one again, and then boom, we have the explosion. But all of this kind of is, yeah, really outlined in those documents we got that does paint a picture of some frustration from the municipal level to the response that we're getting from the province uh, or the lack of response. Hmm. What's changed to stop this from happening again? It doesn't seem like there has been an awful lot. Um, The problem is that, you know, some of these wells have been plugged, but because in Ontario, the industry is so old. I mean, Ontario was the first place in North America with a commercial oil sector, which a lot of people um, don't realise. I was surprised to learn that. I feel like a lot of Ontarians <laughs> yeah. don't grow up in this
0: province. I feel like a lot of us don't know that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it is. I mean, the first oil was drilled at a place called Oil Springs, very aptly named, I think. Oh Well, <laughs> now it's called Oil Springs. And So these wells are really old. I mean, we're talking 1858 was the first wells that were drilled, and a lot of them were drilled in kind of that late 1800s, early 1910s. And then by kind of like the 1950s, 1960s, things were wrapping up. A lot of the the wells were being plugged. So it's really an issue of the fact that back then people would just, you know, they'd chuck down a log and some lead and hope for the best. But obviously now... You know, that was back in, what, 1959, 1969. Now that stuff's corroding. So now you're seeing an issue where there has been a lack of um, risk assessment just simply because the records don't really exist. So in the case of Wheatley, what they're doing now is actually trying to figure out how to plug that well, and and they have um, done some cement casings around it to try and, you know, make it safer. But there is still, because we haven't seen that final report, of what exactly happened, there is still some work to be done around how they remediate the site uh, in Wheatley right now.
0: Let's talk about orphan wells more generally here. Uh, Ontario has a database of disused uh, petroleum wells online, which is actually kind of interesting, because you can look up mm. your own address and, and <laughs> see if there's anything, anything close to you. Yeah. Uh, and we did that. We discovered that there's actually a capped well for an old brewery uh, named Copeland's just about a block from the Globe and Mail office in Toronto, <laughs> is which there? is, you know, had
1: no idea, right? Yeah. Uh, but how how common are these orphan wells in Ontario? So what's actually really interesting about um, Ontario, and it it goes back to the age of the sector, is that Ontario actually doesn't have a statutory definition of what even constitutes an orphan well. So there's no recorded number exactly of orphan wells. Um, However, there are about what 26,500 oil and gas wells on record in Ontario. Now most of those...
0: 26,000?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 26,500. Yeah, a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And on top of that, actually, um, experts estimate there are another 3,000 scattered about but they have no idea where they are. They're just probably around somewhere. But the bulk of these wells are in the southwest of the province. Um, So that's when you're seeing Wheatley and Chatham Kent and that kind of thing, Leamington. But more than half of them have been abandoned. So that means that they've been plugged and they're no longer in use. But the status of 6,200 wells is unknown. So that's kind of the crux of the issue here is that the age of the industry has made it tough to keep records. A lot of them that were plugged were done so ages ago, and some of them we just don't even know where they are.
0: And so they could be out, I guess, in, in fields somewhere, but could they also yeah. be, like as we discovered with the Globe and Mail building, they can actually be close to, to places where people are either living or working.
1: Yeah, absolutely they can. And there is um, when you, if you do look through that um, that database and, and you dive into the map, which I would encourage everyone to do because it's it's quite interesting, there's also this um, kind of bit that says, how sure are we that this well is where we're saying it is where it is? And it's within, some of them say we're sure within a thousand meters or we're sure within 200 meters. So you could be a kilometer out mm. of where they, <laughs> they think it is, but yeah, it could be in a field, it could be in your basement. Yeah. As is the case in the Pogue, it could be, you know, beneath a street. It could be, it could be anywhere really. And so
0: like what happens if someone discovers one of these wells then? Like what, what do you do today?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So under Ontario's legislation, the way it's written and and the way that Ontario has existed with its oil and gas industry is that, you know, a neighbour might call the Ministry of Environment or the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry and say, hey, there's this leaking well, I can smell it, um, it's coming onto my property. So inspectors will go, they'll take a look and be like, yep, that's a leaky well. We can't find any record of the owner or the owner doesn't exist anymore. Therefore, Mr. Brown, who owns this field and therefore now owns this well, congratulations, Mr. Brown, you've got to plug it. You've got to pay to plug it. And this is like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's not a cheap exercise. You know, you can't just chuck some cement on it and hope for the best. It's like tens of thousands of dollars to plug an old oil and gas well. And so you're legally then responsible for it. Now, there is a program in Ontario called the Abandoned Works Program that landowners can apply to, but it doesn't have a lot of money and not everyone who applies even gets the money that they're applying for. So that's kind of what happens. And I spoke with a number of, of um, people at the municipality of Chatham-Kent, where Wheatley is located, and other folks as well, experts in the field, and and they argue that because of this legal responsibility being kind of downloaded onto the landowner, there's really no incentive for a landowner to report a leaking well. You know, if it's out in a field, you kind of go, okay, we'll just not kind of go over there, it should be fine, no worries, kind of thing, um, even though it might be dangerous. So you're lacking Mm -hmm. that incentive for anyone to report wells, which of course then becomes a bigger problem because then you may not even know that there's a leaking well or the government may not even know. There are no risk assessments. So it just kind of sits there.
0: So, you're, yeah, you're kind of in a situation there where there there's no incentive for someone to report the well, mm-hmm. and so you're in, you're ending up in a tough place. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this problem unique to Ontario, though? Because people drill for oil and gas in other parts of the country as well, obviously.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I'm based out here in Calgary, beautiful Alberta, and, of course, we have tons and tons and tons of oil and gas wells, <laughs> same in Saskatchewan and BC as well. Um, the difference is because we have a more modern industry, uh, the record-keeping has been more thorough, for sure. Um, and we also, in all in the Western provinces, have orphan well funds. So basically these have been um, levies on the industry that have built up over time. And the idea is you're putting money in a little fund and then you can use that to clean up wells if, say, owners go bust and they leave or whatever else happens. The difference is Ontario; that never really happened. Those funds were never really collected to the same level out as out here in um, in Western Canada. So it does create a bit more of a problem in that there's more being potentially downloaded onto the taxpayer or individual property owners. Mm-hmm. And I spoke with a a really interesting guy who's a um, an engineer and he's a risk assessment consultant. His name's Bill Timbers, and he's based out here in Alberta. And I was talking him through what had happened in Wheatley, and he he was just kind of, <laughs> he was like, really, and he was he was kind of just shocked that nothing had really happened very quickly, because if you had that high level of gas that was found in Wheatley out here in um in Alberta, I mean things would be shut down a, a lot quicker. Uh, there'd probably be more of a response, simply because out here, I think um, a lot more people are aware of the very intense dangers of H2S and methane and just how much it can, how explosive it can be. And, you know, I have friends in oil and gas who I've spoken with about this case and, and what happened in Wheatley, and they're kind of gobsmacked, to be honest, when, when you tell them about mm. it. And these are guys who, you know, in some cases are uh, hydrogen sulfide specialists, and that's what they do at their company. And they they are safety people, and they are just shocked that um, that this happened in in Wheatley.
0: Before I let you go, Emma, I, I have to ask: like, do we have a sense of if another one of these orphan wells could explode somewhere?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a little bleak, actually, because every single expert I've spoken with says oh, another Wheatley is all but guaranteed somewhere in the province. We just don't know when, and we don't know where.
0: That's in- that's incredible. That's wow. Yeah,
1: yeah it is incredible. And it's not exactly heartening to hear that, to be honest with you. I mean, and that's why there's a real push to get the province to do more and, you know, maybe have some risk assessments, maybe map out the wells better, do some field inspections and figure out where the biggest dangers are. And, um, you know, Ontario has reached out to the federal government to ask for money to address the orphan well issue, similar to what the federal government gave BC. Alberta and Saskatchewan back in 2020 to clean up the wells. But the federal government has not been forthcoming with money either. So right now, people want the province to step up. They want the feds to step up and just address this problem because it's a big one. Emma, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Of course, anytime.
0: That's it for today. I'm Mainika Raman wells Our summer producer is Zara Kozema. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.